welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I have an absolutely fantastic panel of very talented ladies here. So all these ladies have films in the sh- in the Galway Film Flat at the moment. Um, so we have one writer, one producer and one director and writer. But we'll but you're wearing your director hat for I'm us. I'm literally at the wearing a director hat. Yes. Right now. Yeah. It's it's very impressive. He's got a beer. Beer. It has beer holder. Yeah, yeah, it's really important on set. You need a beer holder on set. With the swirly straws going right to the mouth. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes they just put whiskey in there as well. It just yes. helps. Whiskey and go-go juice. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great for the creative process. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask each of you guys to uh, go around and just give yourselves a name, the name of your project, uh, a little short bio and then when we can see your project but don't tell us about your project because we'll we'll do that in another one my name is Rena Negreer I am writer director of a film called Break Us which is going to premiere in Galway I have been working in development for about 10 years uh, I am also development executive development producer for Samson Films they make a lot of co-productions and a lot of um, one of the longest running uh, Irish production companies and I also script edit and produce and do other bits and things uh, but as I said I'm wearing my director's hat today uh, my name is Sarah Ingersoll, and I am the writer on The Bridge, which is a short film that'll be premiering on Saturday in the Galway Fla. And let's see, my background. I haven't been working in film very long. I studied screenwriting for two years at the New School in New York, and then came back here to Ireland because I knew I wanted to kind of have a career here and work in the industry here. I just knew it was kind of changing for the good in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, so I came back and The Bridge is the first short film I've written, like, period. <laughs> I've written a lot more since then. Well done. I've been kind of working, you know, really hard since. But yeah, so The Bridge is my first short. I was I was teaching at the new school. I was teaching pre- really? producing short docs okay. until recently. Right, I was here. just doing the screenwriting, but um, oh, wow. so I wouldn't have taken your class, but I loved yeah. Loved it there. Teachers were amazing. Oh, yeah, they were. They were yeah. cool. It was a great school to teach at. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Marisa Roy. I am the producer of a short film called The Fairy, which will have its premiere as well at, at um, the Galway Film Fla. Background. I'm Emmy. Or Emmy. I, I read that now. Emmy. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what else? I'm mostly used to producing documentaries and... But uh, we're fiction curious. Uh, I work with my husband. We're filmmaking partners. And his name is Niall McKay. And it's his film that I produced. Now, if we can go around and if we get a little bio about the film. So Break Us is a um, Screen Ireland funded short under the scheme of short stories, uh, which were four commissioned uh, three to five minute movies. However, Break Us is a bit longer. Um, But it doesn't feel it. It's very, very uh, tight. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hot. hot. Yeah. hot. I'll it's take hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put that on the poster. Um, <laughs> Aren't you excited about being my hostage? It's not top of my fantasy list, to be honest. Keep the nerve, and we'll be fine. It's kind of like my feminist subversion of the Bonnie and Clyde trope because I've always loved those movies about romantic couples that 
go in and rob a post office or a bank together and they have the expanse of the West to escape justice and they're in love and they're young. And so this is kind of like an Irish, a kind of depressed Irish millennial feminist version of this where... <laughs> set in the... Set somewhere... Late 90s, early 90s? It's kind of set now with a little, like a, there's definitely a 90s flavour in yeah. it, like a colour palette. We didn't want it to be too, mm. you know, wanted it to have a very consistent kind of look that it had that old romanticised 70s kind of sepiated filter all the way through it. But it's really about being in love with someone and understanding who they really are when you're under pressure and then understanding who you are when you're under pressure. So uh, without talking too much about what happens, the hope is that it's people leave, people hope people watch it thinking it's one story and they leave after something happens and things turn out differently. Like the, you've a second spoiler in there, but I actually thought it was about three different and uh, three and a half different stories when I was watching, <laughs> which is very good. There's lots of like little twists that and like even me saying that won't ruin it, but yeah, yeah. like very, very tight. And Sarah, the bridge as well. It's a lovely story about uh, two brothers. I got I got um, I got leaky eye. A little bit on my oh, lunch break God. in yeah. work. Apparently, yeah. and it's it's yeah. crazy because it's not meant to be a sad film, but everyone <laughs> who's seen it has cried. Leaky um, eye. But that's yeah. like my parents and, you know, of course they're going to cry. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a joyful film, I think, even yeah. though like mm-hmm. the events are somewhat sad. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's kind of, it, the relationship of these two brothers transcends, you know, the tragedy in their lives. Has he been here since... I mean, can he be alone? He was at the respite centre. They sent him home yesterday and I've been keeping an eye on him. How's Lily? She's good. I wasn't sure you'd be back. Does he know? Um, so that was a short script that was part of the Galway Film Center RTE Short Film Commission. So that was that process lasted about a year. So I kind of submitted last February um, a few different scripts actually, and that one kind of went through the rounds. And mm-hmm. I worked with a script editor that they provided, um, D. Roy Croft. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah, she was great. Um, and her kind of main thing was like pushing me to stop. Um, editing because it's supposed to be a 10 minute film but you know so as a writer I was kind of thinking okay I have to keep it to 10 pages but yeah so she was great to just like force me to kind of let it loose and explore um, the different elements of the story Uh, but yeah so it's basically tells the story of a brother who I don't know how much I want to give away if Mm. No, no, don't. Anything. Just um, brothers yeah. who are going through a, a bit of a crisis. Yeah, and, uh, and one of them has to make a choice. A, a tough, a tough mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. yeah, tough choice, tough decision. So, yeah. but yeah. But there's there's good themes of responsibility, and there's even the fact one of the brothers. That's not really a spoiler, but he, he comes back at the very beginning of it. He comes back from yeah. Australia, yeah. and it is this. Um, And like part of it is this choice where what's your responsibility? What's, you know, like what is what is your role then? Because a lot of people actually it's it's very timely because that actually happened to a lot of friends of mine. You know, they're forced to kind of come back from their lives when they've emigrated. And yeah, 
it's it's a very irish story in that sense for sure like Mm -hmm. that sort of returning home um kind of changed but then having to kind of face everything that you left behind and in this case like he has to take some kind of a responsibility for the situation you know even though it's something he'd been running from for kind of years and years yeah Uh, so the fairy is a um mystery slash a heartfelt drama about three women in a small town in Ireland and it's set in a place where there's a former mother and baby home and that sort of shadows their lives in ways that they might know and they might not know. Two of them are trying to find um, their family members of origin and one woman from the town believes that she can help them find those people. Right. What can we do you for? I want to find my mother. Right. Name? Aoife Power. Aoife Power. Good Waterford name. Dungarvan? Crook. Oh, that's right. Very people. You know, you're wasting your time here. All the adoption records were burned. By who? The nuns. Who do you think? Sure, half the adoptions were illegal. Just look for it. Okay, okay. What I think is this film does very, very well is uh, characterise um, in such a short time. It's not the shortest short in the, in the world. The short. <laughs> uh, no. But it does, like, again, it's so plot driven. But yes, you have time to have all these um, personalised moments with all the characters and those characters really developed. Do you know, you really feel like you know all their quirks and their interests and they're very different ones by the end of it, which I, th- I thought was exceptionally well. And again, like the dialogue was very, very snappy. So very enjoyable. It doesn't feel like as long as a short it is. Yeah, that's it's funny because usually shorts are supposed to be 40 minutes and under, but you would... You would kill yourself if you had a short that was 40 minutes. No yeah, yeah. no festival would program it. Exactly. Yeah. And then shorts can be too short as well. And I think one of the mm. difficulties of the last short I did, which was uh, five Neon, minutes. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yes, I didn't get to see it, but it looks cool. And it's sci-fi as well. I just don't think there's enough sci-fi shorts. I mean, like it was just, it was a cool film to make for a number of reasons. I think it was just a lot more focused on style than on story. And, you know, I think we... We wanted to cut it down to something really short, like five minutes, because it was a five minute movie. But um, it was really difficult for programmers to place five minute shorts. Um, and that's the, you're kind of caught between when you're in that kind of five minutes or 15 minutes plus. It becomes difficult to, for programmers to kind of find those little windows for you. And it's somewhere around eight to 15 is kind of like their ideal kind of spot, or at least until. Okay, that's good. I'm writing that down. 8 to 15. <laughs> we had tried to make The Fairy a shorter film. So um, we cut the, cut down the script. Niall McKay cut down the script to a 12-minute or 12-pager, wow, yeah. right? Mm. And the thing is you lost all of that characterization, that feeling, that sense of place, um, those funny moments between people. Yeah. And it Ultimately, it didn't get funded from um, Screen Ireland. Mm -hmm. And I think you could really feel that a lot of the magic was gone from it. The characterization was gone from it. And I think, like, there's nothing worse than uh, a script that's too short where, you know, like, 
because I've kind of come from a background of script editing, you know, your reflex is to kind of make it lean and to edit yourself and to make it like just only tell the things that you absolutely need to tell. But I think a, a lot of the things I learned on this short was one of, one of the big things was that you do need space for characters to just be and to have let the audience have a chance to catch up with the story and to let it kind of sink in because immersing them in that world is just as important as, you know, hurrying on to the next plot point just as quickly. So those kind of, that short version probably wouldn't have had all those really nice little moments that, you know, you, you confidently can tell in that in that that space as well. And I think with the fairy as well, it wasn't just about those characters. It was about almost the whole village that was under yeah. the kind of you know, shadow of this mother and baby home because it was affecting everyone, you know, and everyone was involved and everybody knew, yeah. everyone you know, knew and something. if you yeah. cut all that down, you'd lose that sense of like, this is bigger than these people, you know, yeah. like, like a microcosm of what actually yeah. happened yeah. That, like, at a much smaller level. It, it really worked for that because you did, you saw the authorities, you saw everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so. I love the sense of responsibility as well for like, I don't know, I'm not going to give any any away, but I really enjoyed it. I had a lovely lunch break today, just sketching, sketching <laughs> those short films. It was, it was a good actually little mini uh, program because yeah. <laughs> it was so varied in tone and, yeah. and talks and stuff. OK, so we're going to go around and just say a little bit about your experiences um, in your role as producer, writer and director on the film um, and exactly what on those films, on a short film generally, you feel like they entail? The role of producing, it meant for me um, coming up with the budget, uh, figuring out where the money was coming from, um, hiring cast crew from from the U.S., by the way, which was a little tough, and then um, coming in to Ireland and find, finding locations, who's going to do catering, how are you going to transport everyone, all of those things. That's what's involved with producing the short film. And how did you get the funding in the end? Because I, I just know I've put in for funding. It's it's a slog. It's consistent. And yeah. It's in and in yeah. and in and changes. And, edits. and we didn't get the funding that we wanted from Screen Ireland, but we got uh, a private investor Perfect. to do it. So that's what we worked with. And then post-production was a lot of our money put in because... You know, in the end, we wanted that color correction. We wanted the <laughs> sound edit and the mix and all those things that you're like, oh, well, I can kind of do that, right? And and I could, but it <laughs> would do a disservice to the yeah, film. You've so, made it this far. It's like, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it was like, okay, fine. Let's like ask <laughs> the, that favor from somebody we know who can really do the good job. So looking at your film, I was like, there's a lot of locations. It looks mm -hmm. gorgeous. There's a lot of locations. There's a lot of characters. And the biggest thing is like, there's a ferry. There's an actual ferry in oh, it. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, how much did that cost? It cost yeah. us nothing. That was Passage wow. East Ferry. It was a pleasure to produce here. We didn't pay for any of the locations. Everyone wow. that, uh, everywhere we filmed, everyone was so kind and lovely. And it happened to be the place where we were moving to the area. So we moved to County Wicklow, to Shalala County Wicklow. And those locations are all around us, except for the um, Passageets Ferry, which is in Waterford. But all of them said, come on in, sure, why not? And and you can film. And it was the the best experience of producing I've ever had. That's amazing. Because I, again, I was like, oh my God, like just picturing a ferry, even because it's a name, it's a titular thing. You can't get rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I thought it's kind of like a good metaphor for like, you know, the the like the issue that we were in with regards um women's health and things as well were and and for like this woman's transient position at the moment in her thing. So I was like, that's actually really clever. It's deep, isn't it? <laughs> and and enjoyable, which is really good. Yeah, like good. it's it's always a hard kind of tightrope to balance to right. get those two that's things fun, together. Yeah. So we'll Sarah, so tell me what it was like writing. So you put in your 500 word um, pitch. Originally a synopsis and a couple pages of script. Um, So the idea had been in my head for a really long time before I even was thinking of getting into filmmaking and screenwriting. Um, And I actually wrote a version of it for my Leaving Cert English paper. (laughs) (laughs) So like that's going way back. So maybe did you get an A? That's so... (laughs) I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> Who remembers their grades? I don't know. Their marks from the leaving cert. The leaving cert correcting going, here's this really deep, thoughtful, evocative, true story instead of, you know, like my favorite football player and this yeah. <laughs> or like fan fiction for Harry Potter or something. I feel like that was before fan fiction was a thing, maybe, unless it was like another iteration back when I was doing school. People probably wrote it, but just kept it in their diary, I imagine. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that was the original story. Um, And then when it came time to kind of submit to the Short Film Commission, um, originally it was set in a desert because I'd lived in New Mexico and lived in Arizona. And so that landscape was very kind of familiar to me Mm -hmm. and um, nostalgic as well to write about. So I knew I wanted it to be set here. um, And the burn to me was really it was really really important to have that setting and and to put the story there because that landscape is just so evocative and yeah. it's so unusual like you never see it on screen um and i feel like really connected with that as a place um and just metaphorically like it's it's just all exposed it's like the bones of the landscape are like there for you to see you know and mm-hmm. the spine of like these hills that that you know um spiral upwards like it's just it's insane so um so when I was writing it I knew it had to be set there instead of a desert but it is mm-hmm. does have that kind of barrenness to it um and I think that really appealed to uh Galway to the film center um so yeah so writing it then was um easy enough I think because it was it was so real already to me mm-hmm. um I'm trying to think of like the actual process, like nothing really changed too much from the draft that I sent to the directors originally. And then like the shooting draft, like just a couple little changes that Mark wanted, which were just kind of like negligible. And I don't even know if they made it into the final kind of cut of the film, but um, and just like, you know, some shots that were at night can we move them to the day can you know just very kind of minimal input yeah. from him i think he was really that's uh, very hands-off actually for yeah, a director. yeah. normally if they're like well let's change your main character to a microphone and yeah no he was no i'm trying to think of the process but no it was totally like he was kind of good to go with it um did he did they they connect with you through the program or did you so, know them beforehand? N- so this program has been running for a few years or this fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this was the first year where I got to sit in on the panel to interview the directors. So we had oh, maybe yeah. nine directors come 
And they were all, it was amazing for me because I met all of these directors and I saw all their visions for this story. Yeah, so yeah. you're kind of going, wow. They're auditioning just, for they're your auditioning. Movie. They yeah. were <laughs> It was, yeah, to kind of put the writer in that position, I think was really interesting. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that like, you know, I felt like I connected quite well with Mark's vision, mm -hmm. obviously, because that's, and like, so, I mean, there was a lot of factors at play. You know, we do, we're very much on the same page. And, and I'd seen him before doing a talk on his short film, Leap of Faith, yeah. with his producer and his writer um, for that film. And I, and I loved the way that their dynamic was. And I just thought like, well, he seems like he had, he doesn't really bring a lot of ego to it, which yeah. I then experienced firsthand when he was just like, Love the script. Love the script. Mm -hmm. Like wasn't asking me to change anything or. But, it's um, so important to find the right people to work with. Really, yeah. really makes a project yeah. like really strong. And so. we've we're actually collaborating on a new project together because oh, we amazing. enjoy working together yeah. so much. And this has been interesting because I've with this new project, like I've been sending him the drafts as I've been going, um, and he's just a sounding board. And again, yeah. he's not trying to kind of tell the yeah. story like yeah. he's he gets the story and he's just like yes like mm. let's do it so he's kind of more of a cheerleading squad than kind of an editor kind of coming in and wanting to make it his own yeah. so it, it really is a true collaboration with him so it's it's a real pleasure to work with him to find that kind of uh, connection I think because you know I think there's so much about writing that is you're constantly feeling questioned and you're constantly feeling like you know I don't know if this choice is right but yeah I think you need uh directors and people around you that also support the choices that you're not comfortable making yet that you know like I think a lot of it is about getting to that confident place to yeah. make the choices that are going to make the most out of your instincts as well yeah. and finding a director that is able to kind of support you that is really yeah. important as well and, and that first draft is always such like a tender raw thing <laughs> yeah. um and mm. to sort of expose that to Scrutiny. people who <laughs> you know might dash it to the floor oh, you're God, just yeah. kind of going no <laughs> but i could trust him yeah we were saying that as well like one of the things i've i've noticed you've you've different kinds of notes so there's notes where that are really really helpful and they're like um, something's not working I'm not connecting with this character you know and they're like there's just something off I don't know what it is and then there's other notes and they're like you know make this this happen yep, change this ones. change yeah. this make a beat um, and, yeah. then, and then obviously they have a different vision in their head and they're trying to get you to write Something, their maybe. vision yeah. and it's very hard then even to get in line because what you're doing then is facilitating them and you're not even going to be able to do it right because they're just trying to tell you to write their yeah, story. Yeah, exactly. So, you almost yeah. need a class on how to read people's notes yeah. and filter it through so that you yeah. don't take it on. Exactly. Especially when you're emerging as well. I think it's you're so susceptible to wanting to make a good impression to take everybody's notes to to, to not be difficult, you know, yeah. and, and to, to... But I think the, 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 the whole... Bar, you know, center of this film has to be you while you're writing it, while you're directing yeah. it. Well, you know what what that thing is that makes it really special, and that's so it, it's so fleeting, and it's so easy to just to just ev evaporate from the wrong note completely because yeah. it's all about the heart of what the story is, and, and then it becomes it. a technical exercise of you know this has to be here, this has to be said. So funny, and it, it, I think that's probably why. Because I remember saying to somebody before, sometimes films are transcendent, mm -hmm. and they just 
the, the actors bring something, the writers bring something, the directors elevate the visuals and they just become this magical thing. And then sometimes they do everything like right on paper and the performances are good and everything, but it just doesn't gel. It's like it's grand. And it's just, yeah, and, it's, <laughs> and it, just, it just is what it is. But then sometimes they just become this amazing thing. And I wonder if that's what it is. You know, something has changed and it's not the true spirit yeah, of what it was trying to be. The original kind of vision. Yeah. 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 It's so it much to say that. Thing. It could just be one thing, right? It could yeah. be just one like something about the lighting or it could be the wrong yeah. music or it could be one, one shot one shot that's like a crucial shot or a face or something right. that just is and then just uh, tears it apart i think that's the you know the difference between uh, you know and this is something i'm I, i'm trying to get more articulate articulate bleh, articulate in in saying because you know like a part of my job at samson is to to give script um script editing and advice and to develop a project but also I think the the I realized the more I've tried to enforce writers into a very very tight bracket or a tight kind of structure that I think works and that it makes it easier for me to manage them the more I realize that I'm stifling something that could actually that needs the space to breathe that they're the mm-hmm. you working with them because they have something interesting to say so you have to be able to help them get to a place where they're able to say it um, and to, to be confident enough to be able to go into that headspace to make a decision that is, you know what, for this whole scene, no one's going to say anything. We're just going to look at her face and we're not going to see what's happening behind her, you know, but there's going to be this whole scene that a script editor would love to throw out, like, why can't we see what she's looking at? Because that's where all the action is. Yeah. But if that's the, if that's, the choice you want to make because instinctively you think that's going to make a much more interesting cinematic experience for the audience to feel something. It's all about what the audience is going to feel from watching it, not from how it's going to look on the page. Yeah. Um, or if it's ticking this box and that box of like, you know, I was working with somebody who's like, you can't cut from a wide to a wide. Like you totally can't do it. <laughs> but on. then I was like, well, uh, you know, and then I saw nocturnal animals <laughs> kind of going like the editing in that is like insane. I've yeah. never really seen anything like that. And you can kind of going like want. break the rules. <laughs> yeah. Like definitely. Um, but it's the same with writing. Like the most recent project that I'm collaborating with Mark on is been through a few drafts and the third draft was like absolutely so wrong like I completely made the wrong choices like all together but to have that room to fail is so important because oh, I had was part of the process like that third draft got me to the fourth draft yeah, yeah. you know what I mean and it was the third draft was just like how did you emotionally get there though because that can be such kind of heartbreaking and you feel like yeah. lost in that I, I mean draft. I hate rewriting like I'm you know, I can be a really lazy writer. Um, but that's something that this experience was taught me a lot because with the third draft, like I knew myself that it was wrong. Like I knew mm-hmm. that like it was flat. Suddenly the story that had been singing was just like flat. Yeah. Like it had lost that heart that we were talking about. You but know? you don't like, know what's wrong with it until you write it as well, which is, you know, exactly like, like I had to do it. I yeah. had to go there. And then that enabled me to get rid of other characters from the first and second draft and then to ascribe kind of more purpose to other you know so I just it just brought the whole thing together to be able to take what I'd learned from that third draft for my main character 
and bring her then into the fourth. But and did you have readings? Sorry, I'm asking no, a question. No, no, ask away. Did you have readings with actors? Um, or like for a the bridge? Oh, yeah. They're, for, I, they're so important for me for writing. At, at the huge, hugely important for writing. Yeah, no, I didn't I didn't sit on, on any of that. I haven't met the actors. Um, my part was kind of not, I wasn't so involved with the pre-production. Yeah. Um, actually, because the script wasn't changing that much, and the actors really liked the script, I think that was you know it's we had a very good vehicle for actors for both. Like there's yeah. two incredible like and the actors it's uh, Peter Peter Coonan, Coonan and Lachlan O'Meara. O'Meara. So like they're very high. And Marie Mullen yeah. came in for like she you know. <laughs> quite a small part um and she's such a legend and so the fact that she kind of came on board was really exciting and and having written it like I wasn't thinking about kind of how the character of Owen the younger brother would be perceived yeah and then Peter Coonan when I saw him on the screen I just mm-hmm. went oh thank god like any <laughs> lesser actor and this could have been he's really transformed himself like he's not he's yeah, not a, you wouldn't recognize not, him friend the man friend the man got a bone to you like he just he's he's almost like a, I wouldn't have even yeah. recognized him yeah you, if I didn't see him if I hadn't kind of uh, spoken to him at a different yeah, yeah. stage I would not have recognized him physically or his yeah. voice yeah. or anything like he, yeah. he kind of transformed himself and yeah so he like killed it and Lachlan like brought so much to Cormac's character like yeah. you know his eyes kind of say so much like and he's a very reserved character but you do get such a sense of his struggle and he says so little but you really internal and he was able to kind of you know show that internal kind of pain like yeah I love that magic with actors like it is like working with uh, Danny and uh, Danielle Gallagher and Gavin Dre on Break Us they we talked about the roles for so long and about that couple and where they such good chemistry. It's great they chemistry. Had such good chemistry. They and were the, cracking up the yeah. whole time. It was like just stop it, guys. Come on. <laughs> Get back to work. Get back. <laughs> um, but they just, you know, I think it was. I didn't want to. I did. I remember not wanting to kind of overwrite their characters to the point of butting in all these nuanced moments where you could see the changes happening as this post office robbery was taking place you knew there you wanted to be able to trust them enough to bring their own interpretation and their own uh naturalism to where they thought those characters minds were going during those moments and i thought that that was that was a really big lesson that i learned on this one and i wanted to do something where I could direct actors in something really nuanced, like a story happening mm. within a story and a power shift and, you know, it just all in looks kind of thing. Very yeah. small moments again, but so powerful. <clears throat> what What's your process there when you direct them? Like, how did you cast them first? And then how did you kind of work with them? I, d- I, I remember feeling like I didn't actually know who I was going to cast in this role. I remember thinking I wanted two people in particular and... You know, then I kind of, after talking to Screen Ireland initially and thinking about the ages of who they were, then it kind of opened up a big idea of, you know, I don't really don't really quite know who it could be. So it started a really big casting process where I knew I had a shortlist of about 10 actresses that I always wanted to work with. And Danielle was the last person that I'd seen in a fringe show. She just had that balance of that I was looking for with a uh, complete vulnerability, that kind of wallflower, you know, you know, really kind of soft, uh, timid girlfriend 
who she is at the start, but then can turn and be this, you know, this kind of animal and this this real angry, almost slightly feral uh, person at the end. Uh, and I think that's very under, very under, um, under the surface, which yes. I just think is such a skilled actor oh god like it's just it's all like you you know you've the veneer there and then you have them just like i I don't know how they managed to do it so nuanced but it's it's really good the best actors are so like it's all in the eyes again i think it's just the you know like the best actors are the 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 ones that give you that 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 don't need to paint with all of the crayons in the box that you know and i think that's the one thing i always look for in self-tapes is i think actors want to um, show their whole range of you know this is me acting and this is me saying the scene really big and you know and, and I know where that's coming from they want to show everything and then they do a quiet one but the best self tapes for me are the people that sit back into the role and just don't you, you get that sense they're not self aware they're just kind of sitting there and just like uttering the lines and you're just like they look so fucking cool <laughs> so like they're living it rather than performing it yeah yeah and yeah. The, that confidence to do nothing and to sit still and barely even say the say the lines is is what i think a lot of directors tend to respond to instead of big emotions that you know i think you naturally want to show in the self tape mm-hmm. when you're um, and I mean, self tapes is for a start are, are a pain for actors and a pain for directors because you can't be there presently yeah. talking to people about it. Um, but I, when Danielle sent in her self tape, I knew that was that was it. And then Gavin Dre, who's been a friend of mine for years, he was doing Hamlet with Ruth Nega in the gate last year and it was just so incredible like he just he came off Hamlet and went straight on to the the shoot and he was wrecked (laughs) and because he was emoting every night like oh yeah he he looked so stretched to the limit wiry and like stressed and (laughs) underfed and um, very method yeah but I you know I think it was they were such a good chemistry and they knew each other before so there's a lot of trust there they were so such pros. There was a few very difficult moments on set where, you know, it's just production elements, things just kind of, you know, there was a few setbacks and they were such pros about it that they just were, they were part of the team. And I think giving them a space where they could really add a lot of their own things to those characters, to the blocking and the direction, you know, I think I wanted to, I had a very particular thing in mind, but I didn't want to have to, suffocate every tiny little nuanced moment of when Mark the main character comes in and he's full of bravado and then he starts too high and uh, in this post office robbery you see the panic immediately in his eyes and then the panic quickly turns to anger and then you realise he's completely losing control but those are the moments you didn't want to have to signal too much in a plot point or you know you wanted to give him the space to kind of find that within his own performance and to be able Mm -hmm. to pick it up on the camera enough to know that you can tell in the space of a second that he's he's losing it and losing control did you have kind of a loose approach then to the shoot for that and for the cinematographer um we did i think we overshot it i mean like I, i think that was definitely my choice was i wanted to make sure that we were going to get everything and we could you know we had her face we had mark's face we had wide shots from every angle because there were hostages coverage. and there was just like god just get coverage <laughs> i definitely would have done it a bit de- different now because it was you know we had steady cam we had everything going around but just to be able to have it all and yeah it just it, it 
worked because we got a, we had a lot of stuff to work from, but um, we rehearsed it quite a lot until that was really kind of there and present for them, and those characters were there for them. I think that was the important thing was getting them to have a connection with who they were and talking about it and why certain things might want to trigger their characters um, to do certain things mm. or what moments m- might make them act out in certain ways. And it was just, it's just interrogating who they were and that really, really helped. And because they're so smart and intelligent and you knew you could trust them, they just, uh, you know, they had that space to kind of do it. And that was really, it was really fun to watch because you're just watching it and going, this is awesome. <laughs> and planning out the visuals, what's your process there? Like, do you, when do you kind of sit down with the DOP and go, what are we going to do? I always start yeah. with a colour palette. <laughs> You'll yeah. go straight into like hardware stores and pick up a big pile of those like, um, but I'm trying to signal it yeah. with my hands, but the the little paint paint sample, paint sample yeah. uh, strip color gradients, I think, is <laughs> what they're called. Uh, but in so many words, chips. but paint chips. They're they're like they're the like, like gradients, yeah. you know. Like if yeah. you got like blue, you got like a series of blues and grays, and and you just kind of you just get a sense of what the colors might actually kind of look like and then you kind of stick it all up and you get a consistent look like okay this film's not going to have any big major you know lush greens or blues it's going to be mostly sepiated so therefore you've decided on this palette anything that the costume designer is going to get has to be in that palette nothing can mm. be in the frame that isn't like that and when we're choosing locations that was a thing as well and color of the car color of, of people's hair and things like that it just all had to kind of fish in this balance like a big reference for us was um uh the film killing them softly which was a which is a, which is a heist movie that takes place in 2008 because you know it's 2008 because uh there's loads of clips of obama talking about change and there's george w bush, bush on the tv behind talking about the economy and the recession but you would not be able to tell that other because it's everything else is just 70s cars 70s clothes really empty kind of like nowhere detroit he, he just has that kind of 70s crime thriller varnish so it was that kind of just that kind of aesthetic i kind of like that kind of 70s getaway you know, couple on the run. And, and they're actually rainy. really stylish hipsters. <laughs> they're just millennials who are just, just think they can do anything. <laughs> I thought it was more like they're stretched the end of your tether because like they couldn't survive. Yeah. Like, well, you know, the what's out there now for people is like you're paying two grand to live in a in a, in a shed. Yeah. <laughs> like with, with 12 other people, like it's insane. Why so. not go on a ferry to Spain and rub a post office on the way with the person you want to be with? Yeah. <laughs> just go over there to rent to be much cheaper anyway good <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to bring up as well about the medium of shorts so one of the things is you know festivals are a big a vehicle for shorts another thing is where where can we watch them is the likes of YouTube and and like there's a lot of kind of video on demand things but it does feel like a lot of people see shorts as this calling card instead of their own medium and I think what you guys definitely did so well is kind of proved 
they're their own thing. They're, they're completely their own thing. Like your thing isn't a feature. It's a short. Yours is definitely not a feature. It's a short. You could change the format of it, change the characters, but it wouldn't be what it is, the yeah. structure of it. So I don't know. Like what what do you guys think? I think there's more places now for shorts to be seen. Yeah. I mean, you can watch them on Vimeo, on YouTube yeah, yeah. and uh, in so many different platforms. So I think now more than ever, they're more visible. Yeah. And yes, they are a calling card. They We have a feature film script that we've been trying to do. And in the meantime, he had this uh, short film. Yeah. And we did it as our way of saying, and see, we can produce and we can mm-hmm. make this and we can make a good product. Mm-hmm. And so now trust us with your money. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. But even finding distribution for this now, that's that's your job. What's what do you normally do with things? Do you go and sell them? Is is the market different maybe than it was back in America? What would just the go to process be for that? For me, thinking of what we're going to do with the ferry, it's about right now the film festival market and and, and definitely getting it out there to film festivals. <laughs> Certainly, you're trying to think of um, trying to win awards if you can, um, qualifying for uh, for any awards like the Oscar or the IFTA, uh, anything that's out there that brings more name to the writer and director and yeah. the and the production company, honestly, um, because you're not going to make, we're not going to make any money from the ferry as much as we'd love to. Um, but if there's something that happens because we made the ferry, then mm-hmm. that's, that's great. That's really probably the main goal is just to see what it brings to us, what offerings happen because we, we made it. And is this the premiere? Is this Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Galway Film Fly is the premiere for for the ferry. Have you heard back from any other festivals? Like now it's festivals. We season. actually were just really hoping to get into Galway and then yeah. are now just starting to apply to other film festivals and, and trying to con- uh, figure out what is our strategy, our film yeah. festival strategy, because everyone has their list of like their A list of festivals, yeah. then their B and then their C. Expensive as well. It can be very expensive. It goes from 40 euros to 80 euros. And then you have to wonder uh, once you apply and if you get in, Mm -hmm. do you have the money to go? Because they don't pay for a short film festival, uh, for for short film directors to go, nor a producer or an actor, unless you're maybe Robert Downey Jr. and you have a short film. Um, so you have to pay for your own way to go, your lodging, everything, your expenses. And then if you're trying to get an award, then are you having a marketing campaign, publicity, um, putting a press release out there? So it's all the sort of stuff that is the business of movie making that as an artist, you don't want to think about, but as a producer or a distributor, you definitely have to think about. Yeah. And Sarah, with regards writing structures for short films, I presume as well with your um, course that you were doing, you've done a lot of feature yeah. work with that yeah. as well. Yeah. Structurally, so what would two you... features, and now at this point, like probably four shorts. So, not tons of stuff, but um, it's a short film is like a short story. Well, you know, it's a completely different process. Yeah. It's a completely different kettle of fish. You know. 
um, how much can you tell and what's the most important thing to tell? Like, what are you, you know, you have to be so much more careful with your choices. And and I'm just kind of doing finishing up a draft, second draft of a feature right now. And it's so different with the feature because with the feature, you have to hold the entire thing in your head and then like zoom in on the scene. And yeah. then, you know, so you're constantly switching between those two modes. Um, but with the short film, it's all so much more manageable. Like it's much more clear to access the story. Yeah. So it's, it is a different process for sure. But I love writing shorts, like for sure. I suppose that that's it. It's nice as well. It's they're, they're a little bit easier to get funded <laughs> for, for certain things. Like so many writers, <laughs> like even at the absolute top of their game, they're working on features, they're working yeah. on features and yeah. they're probably not going to get made. Like only one and even people who've proven themselves time and time and again, like yeah. not everything they're going to exactly. be working on is going to get funded and I was going to say with um, seeing it come to fruition is that odd do you know like something Um, being in your brain for so long and then you know watching (laughs) Peter Coonan the weirdest part was realizing that suddenly all these people are going to the actors you know the crew members are reading this script that I wrote and you're kind of going oh my god is this any good (laughs) like you're always gonna I'm always gonna be asking that of myself um but yeah so once you hand this the shooting script over you know it's it's not yours anymore and I was totally fine with that like you know trusted and I wasn't on set I couldn't be on set unfortunately and it was a very short shoot I think it was three days um Maybe four. There was one day in the Burren. Um, the rest was shot in me, I, I believe. But um, yeah, it's it's weird. It becomes something else. You know, like you, you do lose that ownership of it, um, which maybe for some things would be harder. But I lived with this story for so long that I was ready to let it go. Yeah. And the other thing was I did get to sit in on the edit. So I, I guess I was more involved with the post-production than the the pre-production and that I think is almost unusual as a writer it is but I mean Mark's whole thing is collaboration and like knowing that it was originally kind of my whole vision he we had some pretty long sessions uh just the two of us kind of going over things and um and that wasn't hard because like you know once you have the short film like forget the script forget it like forget Mm -hmm. everything that was on the page because what you're working with is what you have so you're kind of starting fresh and the script is always just a blueprint like it's just a blueprint for an idea we know ourselves so many people are coming in to collaborate on this project that it is never just yours like so you can't control what happens but yeah so we definitely we cut stuff you know had to cut stuff that was in the script and like there was a like <laughs> my background is actually art and photography so I'm you know I come from a very visual perspective when I'm mm-hmm. writing like I don't do a lot of dialogue like I'm that's kind of the last thing I'm really looking at like I'm always looking at like what's the visual hook like how do we tell the story visually because of the medium as well when you're in the edit as well I think you know, and and you have to kind of leave the script behind because it's already shot and what you're working with is that footage. Um, You know, I think for somebody who hasn't directed and hasn't part of that process of like choosing what shots, uh, you you know, putting a shot list together and choosing a certain performance in in an actor, you also get to apply your instincts as a writer as to when you see an actor give a certain look there could be something really interesting there that even the director could have missed like that tells part of the story that I could have you know we could have wrote written yeah but we went in that direction and now that we've lost that 
that little interesting thing yeah. is there. And I think yeah, that's exactly. really the surprises great. are like the best part of filmmaking, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. um, and but for you to be there as the writer, I think is such a great idea because it's it's just it is such a collaboration that you still you still need to be part of that writing process after yeah, the villain's been exactly. shot as well. And it was great to kind of have work with a director who, who felt who got like that. that. <laughs> yeah. And I'd like when we're sitting down to edit, like for me, it's like I, how I imagine making music is like it's you're picking your way through and like you have like some things just feel right. Like, yeah, you know, sometimes so you're just true. like, we need yeah. this shot to be yeah. another just a few seconds longer. Yeah. Like, hold on this. That's that's you the know, best feeling when, just, you, when it works out as well. Yeah, like, so you're just kind of putting together, it's like putting together a song, but you're putting together like a visual kind actually of had experience. Like, I've been but, talking about this a lot uh, recently, and I feel like there's two different approaches to creativity and not necessarily, you know, particularly in writing and um, and and trying to, to say this to some of the writers that I work with as well, is that there's the very logical, rational uh, intellectual approach to writing which is go from a wide shot to a wide shot, can't go to a wide <laughs> yeah. shot, to a wide shot. you can't mm. you know you, you have to do this by a certain page you have you know you, the the midpoint has to be this and you know like you you need to be more clear with these what's going on with the character here and you know there I think you stand yeah. back from it you write the treatment you write the, the the block of it and you look at it like a math equation on your on your wall and you're applying logic to a note that might be given and yeah. <laughs> I find that's the worst it's not you need certain logic I, yeah I but do I think not intuition like that. and instinct and yeah. trusting your own gut and understanding that all of that DNA of what makes a film good is already is, is already yeah. within your DNA because you know how much you love watching movies and you know how much you Exa enjoy yeah, telling that's stories how I, how I, I think everyone like we you know, we all understand that language of filmmaking. We've we've all grown up with yeah, it. Yeah. You know, so there's certain things that we just know instinctively. Like I, I think you, how to logic, do. it can really suffocate that intuition. And it's that intuition yeah. I think that like I really has to flourish and allowed to flourish yeah, as well. I have a shelf of screenwriting books that I've never read. Nope. Like yeah. I had to buy them for class, and like you know, like oh, read this, read that, and I'm just going like I can't. I will never work like that, no. you know, like, yes, it's definitely handy to have like, you know, you're kind of thinking of your plot points, but only as a point to get from like, you know, how do we kind of, I'm definitely a writer who like drama and pathos come really easily. So like <laughs> the feature that I'm working on now is all action, like it's nice. an adventure story. So that's awesome. been a challenge, but it's been so much fun and it's been so much easier to write because you're just going like, bam, 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 like next thing, next that's scene. The thing. It's like the feeling of... Um, it was a big thing I learned in, in writing as well was it's the difference of writing the script that you thought worked and you were working with a script editor and like yeah things make sense but so something's not clicking and yeah. I'm not really present with it Sarah, I think it's what you were like, saying about it being like music it is there's yeah. there's a rhythm to a scene that happens yeah. and every scene has uh, its own rhythm and when you're editing it, you can feel that there's something wrong with this because it's missing that extra beat yeah. or that what, whatever ending conclusion that it yeah. needs that and it could be just emotional it could or be it silence a moment or something spark just needs to grab me there a cut away or not maybe nothing maybe yeah. you're just staying on an actor yeah yeah um, Niall used to be a shorts programmer for Tribeca and in the background if I'd be working on my laptop he'd be watching 
300 move short films in the background. And so I could hear the dialogue and the rhythm of dialogue. And mm -hmm. I knew immediately when a short film was not good because there was something about the rhythm, rhythm. of mm -hmm. the dialogue. Yeah. You could just tell from the audio. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. I could tell from just something about the audio. And I wasn't even listening to it, right? It was just the pace of things that uh, that something was good. Like something was given time or space. And it wasn't like yeah. that they all... Uh, did talk like this or uh, anything but confidence I think is it? yeah maybe yeah. it was a confidence in the filmmaking and trusting it that made me want to go like whoa what what's that that you're watching and yeah and and then want to see it god that's amazing and it's so instinctual that's that's what's very interesting it's emotional as well because I also think your conscious mind is great but actually it's not as smart as your unconscious mind and your unconscious mind will be like I know everything yeah, yeah I don't like it wrong. yeah I, I can apply my masterful yeah. intellect to this plot and it'll be fine I've, I mean I've definitely kind of written stuff into scripts and it was only later that I actually kind of analyzed my own story going you know that I was writing metaphors for kind of emotional yeah. aspects of the film without even consciously doing that, or consciously feeling the emotion of it, which is yeah. That kind of, I think it's like it's like about presence. I think if you're, you need to be able to sit down in a dark room and visualize your film happening in front of you, and I think you need to kind of. It's it is that difference of would you watch your own film and how are you reacting to all of these rhythms and moments and um, you know when are when are you being met with something that's a little bit subversive of you know when are you, when are you going to be when are you going to take yourself by surprise and you try to imagine a sense of what that looks like and I think that's the best that's that's my first draft process with a feature um, and I try to encourage a lot of other writers to do it as well because. It's, you know, I think the treatment can work for a lot of people, but I think it's definitely when you take the leap of understanding that you know how this film is going to roll. And of course, the first draft is going to be hugely problematic when you do it like that. And it's, but you're going to have all these little nuances and moments and things that will catch you by surprise because you enabled your brain to go to a place where, well, I just need something mm -hmm. just to happen like there because I was getting really tired there and I need something had to pick up and yeah. do that. I actually think there's a lot to be said from just barreling into <laughs> into yeah. a draft and going blind and just that's, listening to your gut. That's kind of what I do. Like, I know I'm not supposed to and I'd never no, you're thinking, no, you're that to my, to my script yeah. editor, to. but like... Like I but don't I think you plan. trust your your yeah. gut like that. You know well, when your gut is getting bored and when you should put yeah. something in. And but at, and also at the same time, at, at least for me, like I'm never not working. Like I'm always in my mind, like constantly um, sifting through mm -hmm. the stories that I'm working on and like and finding the root, like whether I'm doing it consciously or not. So then when I sit down, suddenly problems that I couldn't think my way through. Mm. will suddenly have solved themselves you yeah. know they, they once you start writing the procrastination as well as the artist's way of working things out so <laughs> yeah. while yeah. you're going oh I'm gonna go just clean my house or so whatever your subconscious is working yeah. out all those little kinks yeah. so then the next time you sit down to write you're like oh that came out of nowhere yeah, yeah. I also have like my computer that I'm writing you know in script format which is mm -hmm. very specific format and you know um, it's great to kind of force your brain into that like because you're always thinking visually like yeah. for me anyway but then I also have a huge stack of newsprint and a marker so while I might be writing I'm thinking ahead or I'm thinking back um, within the feature more so yeah. 
um, and I'm just jotting down notes, bullet points, scenes, ideas, like uh-huh, visuals. Yeah. So that's kind of happening while I am technically writing this very specific kind of using very specific language and writing in this very specific uh, format. Um, but I still have that that kind of wild side to the brain, like able to just reach for a pen and just like scribble. Oh, that's the most important. Like, it, yeah. especially when you're like you're on a train and you're listening to a piece of music and then you suddenly something just hits you you're like, that's a, that's a, that's yeah. it, that's it. And then, you know, yeah. you have something to go later on it, back to because when you think of your favorite movies, there are moments that can't really be described in in a logical sense of, you know, like moments in Taxi Driver of the way things are sort of beautifully violently visualized they're just they're not something you can kind of just sit there and and, and think of and plan it's, it's that it, are these moments that just kind of come to you that are so true to you and tr- so sincere to your instincts about what makes you want to watch and make movies that they're not something that you can kind of apply logic to either they're just they just sort of come at you yeah, that's actually really lovely. Ending. <laughs> it's really organic. Okay, so um, thank you guys so much for coming in. That was Thanks, absolutely Jenna. so fascinating and very inspiring. And I look forward to seeing your shorts on on the big screen. Um, so if you guys maybe can just tell us one more time, when can we see your shorts? The fairy will be showing on Friday, July twelfth at eleven forty five. It's part of the shorts program five. Okay, um, the bridge will be on Saturday the 13th at 10 o'clock. I think it's part of Program 6. Break Us will be part of the Fisher and Screen Ireland uh, short films, uh, short film 7, on Saturday the 13th of July at 11.45. Excellent. Okay, so everyone check out the Galway Film Flat website. You'll be able to get your tickets online there, so you don't want. I'll have, say maybe one or two of those might sell out as well. Yeah. Oh, it's Mine's sold out already. It's sold out. <gasps> Mm. Wow! We got Jack Rayner's short, short new shorts. It's like I'd really love to see Jack Rayner's. Okay, so we bought out a lot of the seats ourselves. Also, that (laughs) also that too. I bought bought like ten tickets for everybody. Yeah. Okay. I think we bought (laughs) twenty. Okay. Well, I'm actually I'm going to go now because I have to go buy some tickets before they all sell out. But um, everybody, yes. So go. It'll be great crack. Um, and you know we'll catch up then <laughs> thank you so and much drinks. thank you and, and drinks, drinks of course yes. well the most important thing obviously <laughs> <laughs> we didn't go away yeah. <laughs>